Seven o'clock. Yeah. We are live. We are live. And we are live for the last time in December. Uh, sorry, in 2022. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. What a year. Yeah. I'm talking about what a year. Anyway, guys. Time to fuck it off, I say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys. Um, my name's Craig or Crafty from Craftworks Distillery. Uh, this is my good friend, Luke, local nerd. And over on the other side is the Todd. And we are... Aussie Craft Distillers shooting the shit, and this is our little wee podcast podcast uh, project that we've run for a episode. What are we up to now? Forty four. We're up to episode forty four. And what we do, for those that don't know, is we have guests on and we shoot the shit with them, and they're people in the industry, generally distillers, mostly Australian, but sometimes internationals and sometimes other people in the in the industry. So tonight we've got a doozy to, to finish. <laughs> It's almost international. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is almost international. So tonight we have the one and only Ferno. And it, there's a lot being talked about with Ferno. And it's Tom. G'day, Tom. How are you, bud? I'm good. Evening, all. Evening. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Oh, mate, no mate, this is an absolute pleasure. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to having a, a good shoot in the shit. We've got a lot to talk about. So we'll rip into it, but to before we rip into it, we need to say what we're drinking tonight. Mm. So we'll go around the go around the table. We'll start with the top left hand corner. The Todd, uh, looking beautiful in your beanie there, mate. Well, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'd like to say the same, but you know, I'd be lying. Well, what, what do you got there? <laughs> Explain what it is. So this is um, a ferno. Ooh, okay. As Which you one said, you got? I, I do enjoy it a little bit. Flinders <laughs> uh, Island uh, single malt peat. You got the peat. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. And what are you going to move on to from there? Um. All right. We'll probably finish that bottle. I'll probably finish that bottle, but then I'm going on Apple to Amber Lane. Lane. Yeah. No nice. A noble lane. So I believe this is a um, detritus barrel. So wow. it's, quite, it's quite yummy. Okay. All right. Okay. Nice. That's that's good. Um, all right. I'll I'll go next. So we've got three things uh, that we're drinking. So the first one is we did a little project, uh, Craftworks, and we did it with Korowa. Um, and to be perfectly honest, Korowa did all the work, <laughs> and ninety percent of the is uh, Korowa's whiskey, and we did a blend. And it was with the, if you can see it. Where the light is, the there, light, that's there. where uh, the camera is. So it's with the Single Malt Whiskey Club, which is Brad Wright. So got a few samples here. So we're starting with that. Then we're moving on to oh, something which I'm really, really enjoying. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to drinking this tonight. <laughs> this one is the unpeated. So first time we tried it was in March at the uh, the whiskey show and down in Melbourne. And the third one, uh, my local distillery. So this is Jones and Smith. Yeah. 
I'd like to try that. Yeah, no. Mm. This is uh, Distillers Reserve, and this is um, it's finished up in, in a rum cask, and I cracked it last night. So there's a bit of a neck pour on it, and Tony and I swap bottles. So he's tonight. He's drinking Son of the Beast, and uh, yeah, we're drinking Tony's. So that's us. What do you got, Tom? Last one. Well, I yeah, appreciating you both having a bottle of Ferno out there. There's not actually that many bottles out there in the world, so for you both to have one is pretty epic, I reckon. <laughs> and Toddy, I'm with you, mate. I've got the the Flinders Peated, the oh. first of the peated spirit that we distilled in these stills behind me, uh, ex-bourbon cask. So I've got a bit of that, and I'm pairing that with North Tasmania's finest folks nice. red. <laughs> Clean, you know, beer like having sex in a canoe. It's <laughs> close to water, and I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long day. I've just finished uh, cleaning the stills out for the last sort of hour or so. We had a spirit run and a wash run on today. So yeah, I've been up to my arms in pot ale and whatnot. So yeah, it's time right. for a nice cleansing lager for me. How long's, uh, how long's a, um, uh, a distillation generally go for? Well, they're electric heated stills and we get the timers on about starting at about five in the morning for a spirit run, about two in the morning for a wash run. Yeah, letting yeah. it slowly heat up and then we walk in the door at about sort of 7 a.m to liquid starting to flow hmm. then wash run will finish about maybe 3 p.m shut that down clean that spirit run will finish about maybe 5 p.m shut that down vice versa oh, so low and slow on the, on the spirit run eh yeah yeah pretty much yeah, trying right. to get everything out of it sort of go doing peated runs at the moment so flinders peated spirit same as toddy and i are drinking so we generally like to go sort of deep into the cuts with that one. Yeah. And sort of get below 65 where you start to get a little bit more of the dirtier, sort of smokier notes on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. So cutting low-ish and then yeah, letting it run out. You're speaking our language. Um, mm. You know, our, our um, what we call the I am profile um, is uh, deep cuts. Deep, deep, deep. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll sometimes cut off at, at um, like sixty two, even go down as deep as sixty, um, mm. which is uh, it just pulls through that 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 um, yeah those heavier notes, and that's that's what we're after. Mm. So, yeah, I think we've we've gone right down to fifty eight once. Nothing <laughs> 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 wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, we've done we've done that. <laughs> Let's um let's go right back to the start, Tom. So, how did you get into the industry? Let's start with that question, and then how did Ferno come together? Uh, well, I'll, I'll try and give you the medium version. <laughs> Is that uh, I grew up in Tassie. I'm, I'm from Hobart originally, sort of born and bred down there. And then when I was about nineteen. In Hobart at that time, there was just nothing going on, really. It was sort of pretty culturally bereft. It was sort of how I saw it. And I sort of walked down the street and just see the same people I knew every single day, and I was just like, I'm, I'm a bit fed up with this. So I ended up leaving. I didn't go too far. I just got across the pond to Melbourne. And then just for sort of lack of a better thing to do, got into hospitality over there and just started working in bars and cocktail bars and then just found that I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the lifestyle and I loved the drinks and I loved sort of learning all about the wild world of booze and sort of all of the different things you could create. So I sort of delved deep into that industry. Right. And then worked with a really great bunch of people, opened up a few sort of venues around Melbourne 
ended up having my own little chunk of one that was called Los Barbudos. It was a Cuban rum bar. And so I really went headfirst into the world of rum. We actually went over to Cuba for a couple of weeks because our dream was to make a really authentic style of cocktail bar. So we went to this place, La Bodeguita del Medio, which is really famous for being the mojito venue. This is one of these kind of things that all bartenders argue about what the mojito is. You know, is it crushed ice? Is it sugar? And all these sorts of things. So we went there and just smoked cigars and drank mojitos for about two weeks. <laughs> on, on research, of course. It was all it was all on tax. It was great. Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah, it's yeah. all research, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and then so we came back and tried to sort of apply that knowledge, and even down to the the bar that we crafted that had this beautiful flat top with a little lip and a little sort of tapered edge, so you could really prop yourself up on there and have a lean on the bar and <laughs> have a drink. It was a wicked little venue. So we had about one hundred and fifty different types of rum there, and I really got deep into the world of rum, mm. and then. After that, after having my own sort of venue and working 100-plus hour weeks, I was a bit done with being on that side of the bar. So I packed that in but still wanted to stay around the world of booze. And so that sort of manifested in a whole bunch of different ways. But one thing I did was uh, work actually making bitters, sort of cocktail bitters, mm. uh, doing lots of infusions of things like gentian root and, uh, you know, trying to sort of blend these really interesting flavours together to make sort of cocktail additions. So... We had a little company in Melbourne called Mr. Bitters that made Australia's first cocktail bitters, so we got really into it then. And then I decided to move back to Tassie just to get back to the, you know, the Hobart life, which I love, and then came back to this hugely, you know, absolutely popping off whiskey scene there. You know, yeah. when I left, there was, you know, Lark and Sullivan's had started and Hellier's Road had just started, but really there was nothing else. And then I came back to this, you know, all of a sudden, this was a thing that people were doing in Tassie in a really massive way. So I fell in with the Sullivan's Cove crew down there, sort of started out doing just tours and tastings and then ended up sort of running the Cellador experience. And then that was just the best place to work because in a small team, you know, a lot of people doing a lot of different things and you sort of get a little try of a bit of everything there. So um, we sort of got shown the ropes of distilling there. Right. And got onto the um, barrel selection crew, which was one of the best things because we were, you know, taking samples of barrels that were 10, 15, 20 years old. You know, some of the oldest whiskey that was in Australia at the time probably still is. They, they've so, had a little bit of experience, haven't they? Just a little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> they've been in it for a while. And that was when Patrick Maguire was still the owner. And they were sort of going through that transition period to the new owners at that point. Right. So he was still around and, and you know, just like all the rest of them are really generous with their knowledge and their experience and so sort of got a, a really unique chance to taste what spirit was like off the still compared to what it was like being made by someone completely different somewhere else 20 mm. years ago yeah. and sort of what decisions worked well and what decisions didn't work so well and how that sort of evolved over time. So I think that in particular was sort of the most beneficial thing for me in understanding the future of what we're making, not just what's happening as it's coming off the still. Yes. Yeah. So that, that was heaps of fun. And then uh, I actually came up to Flinders. I didn't really know anything about Flinders Island. And for anyone out there who doesn't know anything about Flinders, which is, is not unheard of, if Tassie is like a dog's head and it's got two ears, the ear on the left is King Island, where they make all the cheese. The ear on the left is the Ferno Group. About 52 islands, Flinders Island is the biggest one. Tiny little place. It's about... 40 kilos from side, kilometers from side to side and about 65 from top to bottom. There's about 900 people that live here. 
but it's just this most incredible, wild, sort of untouched place with these beautiful beaches and these beautiful mountains and a really awesome little community of mainly sort of cattle farmers and, uh, you know, people who have escaped the cities and have just gotten into hiding in the bush and doing what they want. Hmm. So we came over for this crayfish festival that they were having just to have a look, really. It was just a couple of nights we were coming over. Yeah. And went from had this massive journey, went from Hobart up to Bridport and then Bridport across on this tiny little plane that had four seats on it across these little islands. It felt a bit like Jurassic Park, so flying up and you're leaving the mainland behind you and flying into the clouds and then you land down in this place. It's just a, a paddock, basically, on this tiny little plane, no landing strip or anything, just a bit of flat grass. And we got up to the top of the island in Killacranky Bay, which is this beautiful beach. And we were sitting there having a barbie and then this guy rocks up and his mate and they've just been out fishing and diving and they had this arm full of crayfish and abalone and Australian salmon and we just had this big chunk of lamb. So we just sort of leaned over the fence and said, what are you guys doing? you want to put our parties together? We could maybe share a little barbecue. <laughs> and so they came over and we just had a chat and a, and a bit of a drink and I bought up a bottle of Sullivan's that I had with me at the time and got chatting to this guy and he said, I'm in the whiskey industry. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, I'm actually building a distillery here on the island at the moment because mm. I've sort of found that Flinders has yeah. this Antipodean sort of interest to Isla in Scotland. So yeah. tiny little island off an island in a really heavy maritime climate and it's got lots of natural peat on the east coast of the island. So he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a peated whiskey distillery on Flinders. But all I need is someone to run it. And so I sort of thought, okay, that's interesting. And just sort of went back to Tassie. I wasn't ready to leave or anything. I was just sort of, okay, that's cool. And then after a couple of weeks of coming back to Flinders, having another look, going back home, I just sort of turned to my partner and said, you remember Flinders? It was pretty cool, wasn't it? She goes, what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you remember there was that job over there? And she goes, I'm not moving to Flinders. <laughs> I was like, oh, come on. It's so beautiful. And then we, sort of, we chatted about it for a while and then, yeah, called up the guy and said, is the job going? He said, yes. And then six months later, we're living on Flinders. Wow. Now, just to, I hope I've uploaded the right screenshot. Um, oh, yeah. oh, here we perfect. go. So. So it's not the big one. It's not It's not the big one. <laughs> it's a, the where the red dot is up there. Yep. Is Flinders Island for everyone playing at home. And obviously King Island over on the left. Um and yeah, the big one is Tassie. Mm. So, <laughs> so you can see you can see on that map just uh, below that red dot. There's white mark. That's where yeah. I'm sitting right now. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, is there a? I assume there's a ferry, or is it fly in? How do you how do you get all your gear? Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a challenge for sure. There, there's a ferry that goes up from Tassie once a week. <laughs> brings all the supplies for the shop and, and it brings over our wash and that sort of thing. Right. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise it's just tiny little planes that fly in and out. So, oh, yeah, wow. that, that's been a, a massive challenge about having something like this here because, mm. I mean, in such a tiny community as well, there's there's one Sparky and there's one plumber and yeah. because there's only one of them, they're so busy. So if you ever need help with anything, you've sort of got to figure it out yourself. Yeah. So that's just been in the last, I mean, for three years now. And that's just been this massive learning curve for me because it's if something breaks, you don't really have the time to wait for weeks for someone to come and fix it. So you just sort of, okay, let's get in there and find the problem and fix it. Mm. Wow. Now, yeah. 
the one when we met and um, back in March and went to your stand and saw all your branding, heard the mm. story, tasted the whiskey straight away. To me, it just felt like the Australian version of Brook Laddie. Mm. It's mm. you know, I you said Isla, you know, a rugged island in the middle of nowhere. Flinders is exactly the same. The type of whiskey you're making, it, it's got the complexity and and the differences, and that really excited me. Plus, you had an orange uh, beanie on too, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's definitely. <laughs> Definitely worked for me. Across the <laughs> Helps me from getting lost in the bush. Finish that one off first. Yeah. I'll actually show you. We, um, we had our first range of bottles that came out that were these ones here. They're 500 mil. And uh, beautiful little bottles. Just um, Ferno, just a little single whiskey. And then on the back, we'd have the information about any of the uh, new releases and sort of notes about it on the back. Right. And while I like that style... It, it looked exactly the same as everything else I'd seen in, mm. in Tassie, especially. Um, no offense to anyone out there, uh, but it was just, especially it was the shape of bottle that I'd just gone from bottling at Sullivan's Cove. So yeah. it was exactly the same style. And I just thought, no, we're, we're trying to do something different here. So let's try and reflect that a bit in the bottles that we make. So we ended up talking with a crew in Melbourne called a company called Swear Words. And they'd done some really awesome booze packaging before some wine and gin and stuff like that. So we got chatting and they said, okay, the first thing we have to do is identify, you know, you're trying to tell a story of where you are. So where are you? What, what's out your window? And uh, I, can, I can show you if you can handle the screen being a bit wobbly. This is what's out the window of the distillery. Oh, is just nothing. That's, that's the oh, white wow. mark there. And then just endless horizon pretty much as far as you can see. Oh, wow. So that was sort of what we really focused on is, is this sort of endless horizon. And that's really mm. the, the inspiration by putting the, the Ferno wrapping around the whole bottle. Yeah. And you'll see it a lot through our website and our branding and things like that. Yeah. Um, but we also wanted to, you know, have these little Easter eggs on the label, little tide lines that run down the label, sort of referencing those points on the wharf. Uh, the sort of brutality of a lot of these sort of maritime markers like deep sea boys which are hence these sort of hard shoulders on the bottle yeah 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 and these sort of little orange things like the beanie you know these little maritime markers that we we wanted to sort of speak of our maritime environment but not make like captain morgan's with a pirate ship and a, and a, yeah. and a rope or something like that so <laughs> you wanted to uh infer not literalize yeah That'll work. Yeah, that'll work. That'll, that'll work. work. Yeah, it'll yeah. work on this show. <laughs> yeah, but I'm stoked with how it's no shovel. Out. Yeah, but it 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 looks gorgeous and yeah, it does. very unusual. That, yeah, the brand itself is being the band underneath the labels. Mm. Um, yeah, it's that. I go so far as to say iconic. Really. Yeah, I honestly, <laughs> I I put this. <laughs> I'm a bit of a fanboy. I, mm. I put this to the equivalent of when Brook Laddie released their their uh, their first bottle, and it was a blue shrink sleeve, yeah. turquoise yeah. shrink sleeve, the colour of the water. Uh, all right, yeah. in, in uh, Brook Laddie, and you couldn't see the whiskey at all. And it was mm. like it was such a it caused such a stir because it was just the antithesis of of mm. whiskey bottling traditional packaging. And this is mm. the same. Mm. I mean, I, I love the fact that you've 
got your label stuck over the wording. <laughs> to me, that, I'm that glad that you cool. like it because it's it's pissed a couple of people off. To be honest, <laughs> not everyone's a massive fan of it for exactly yeah. that reason. <laughs> that's just confidence, mate. That, yeah. that, that, that's just that's yeah. They did say at one point they they did propose a completely coloured bottle as well, you know, mm. almost like that rockatic thing. And I wasn't quite confident enough to say, yeah, let's black the whole thing out. Mainly because I I like to see the liquid in the bottle. That's a real mm. sort of turn on for me is the colour yeah. of the booze in the bottle. So I, I wanted to yeah I wanted to have that mm. as well. I mean that's half the experience for me. There's there's three bottles. Which uh, designs, which really just I love it. One is Brooklady, two is Waterford. Mm. I think the Waterford bottle is stunning, and three is your Ferno. Get, get out of the way. What are you going to get? I'm going to all of them. Yeah. Just to do a side by side. Yeah. Oh, actually, Craftworks mm. isn't too bad. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're, okay. Great, we're, we're okay. We're <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we're okay. That's the company you're with. Yeah, well, yeah. Geez, you can't yeah. be unhappy about that, can you? Crikey, Moses. <laughs> no. No. You know, I've been um, I've been looking at Waterford a lot lately. They're um, they've got so much information out there, really detailed information about what they're doing. Yeah. And we're in the in the process now. Where in this little space that I'm in, we we lease this room that we're in off the bigger building, which is called the Flinders Wharf. It's a restaurant and a, a little shop and everything. Right. But we've outgrown it so quickly. So we're in the process of building at the moment on what we're calling the Ferno Farm, which is the farm that the owner has uh, at Sawyer's Bay. It's about 15 minutes north of where we are now. And we're sort of going through the process of preparing our first plot for our first crop of barley grown on the island. So hopefully by this time next year, we're actually going to be harvesting our first crop of, of island-grown barley. And what we, we would like to go down the path of biodynamic farming, which is something that Waterford's doing and have been doing for years, yeah. There's a lot involved, though, so you know, they've been a, a really awesome beacon of what is possible in the whole process. Mm. We, we had Waterford on. Um, it was one of the earlier podcasts. Mm. So, so we had Ned Gahan, who is the head distiller, and uh, we had him on for two hours. Yeah, about two hours, and, one of our longest yeah. And it was just full <laughs> on, and, and Ned is amazing. And, but we're meant to be getting on. We didn't didn't happen this year. But we're going to be getting uh, Mark Rainier uh, on from Waterford. Yeah, cool. And we're going to get him on with Stu Wycross from uh, Voyager Craft Malt. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be doing a full-on barley session. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's going to be an awesome one to listen to because uh, I'm not a barley farmer. I don't know the first thing about it, but... You know, everyone here, you know, the farmers here, they don't let on much. You know, they've got the way they've been doing things and they've been doing for a long time. So you sort of pick their brains and you can get a little bit of information from a lot of people. And I'm slowly building an idea about what's actually involved. Yeah. And then yeah, we're just going to go for it. We're just going to rip a bunch of dirt up and put a bunch of barley and yeah. see what happens. And where will you get the malting done? We'll do it ourselves, I reckon. We've got a three-hectare plot to start off with. That'll get us a fair few tons, I reckon, and we'll just start off with floor malting. Right. I've, I've talk done to, say, talk to Dean Jackson about about that because he, he started yeah. way back when and, and they were doing floor malting from memory. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm fully expecting it to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> but I have done as done some sort of floor malting on a, on a really small scale and it was, it was easier than I thought, really, mm. it, to actually get a good product out at the end of it. 
the hard part of kilning is just making sure that you're getting it at the right time and, and kilning it uh, yeah. long enough. But yeah. no. when we are actually able to, our peat process is bringing over malted barley from Tassie, wetting it down to sort of simulate the moisture content and then smoking it dry. Right. But right. we know that the moisture is only superficial. It's only on the outside of the kernel. So when you're smoking it, you don't get that big draw of smoke penetrating the grain wholly. Yeah. But when we're actually kilning it from, you know, the much higher moisture content, we're going to hopefully be able to get that draw in. And then the level of smoke flavour is just going to skyrocket at that point. Mm. So mm. I reckon we reserve that sort of estate mm. crop for the Flinders Peated expansion and then see how it goes. And, and what sort of a peat level are you looking for? Are you looking for um, uh, Bogan Burnout level, uh, <laughs> Gates? Uh, where are you sort of hoping to land? Or PPM? I'd like to be able just to call it on flavour, really, because mm, at right. the moment, uh, especially with this peated release that we've had out so far, that was on the first batch of peated malt that we did, and we were only able at that point to peat for about eight hours in a sort of modified box trailer, and it's simulating the, mal the malting floor in, a, in Isla is having a, a mesh base that we put the uh, barley on and then lighting a peat fire underneath and smoking it dry. But in this little box trailer we had, the sun would go down in winter and all this condensation would come in and it would just ruin the malt. So yeah, right. we had to, we could only do it for a really short amount of time. So the peat profile for the releases so far has been quite light. Mm -hmm. Whereas now we've got a much bigger version of that and I'm able to peat over a couple of days. So with sort of two or three days of peating, the kind of spirit runs are pulling out at the moment are way, you know, they're starting to get really full on, which is awesome because at the moment it's 100% peated malt, but as far as the strength of the peat goes, it's dictated by the liquid in the barrel. Mm, Whereas yeah. I'd like to be able to call that and say, this is as smoky as I want it, and this is going to be the optimal level, and this is going to be the entry level. Yeah, 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 right. That's awesome. That is very cool. Ollie, Ollie Marud has joined us from hey, the whiskey list. G'day, Ollie. So looking at what's behind you, um, mm. I see one still. Is it a still Smith still? Uh, two, actually three Peter Bailey stills. They're all Peter Bailey stills? Yeah. So uh, 1,600 litre wash still, yeah. 700 litre spirit still, and then the right. little one right down the back against the window is a little 120 litre hybrid number that it wasn't actually for sale when we were sort of down at the warehouse and everything was sort of being put together. It was just sitting in the corner under a tarp. I think it was a prototype that Peter was working on, which was a still on wheels, which is kind of a fun thing in the first place but yep. it's a it's got this series of piping and valves where you can engage or disengage a column a cutter head basket or just bypass them and have a pot still nice so i can do little 100 liter batches of whiskey if i want to just by bypassing the whole middle section yeah or we make gin as well so in that case i'll engage that cutter head basket and we do a vapor yep. distilled gin Right. Or if I, I made some vodka early on and would engage the column for that to try and get that clarity in the spirit. Yep. Uh, but also I've done a couple of little uh, sort of hokey versions of Armagnac and Cognac. So oh, running, yeah. you know, doing Cognac double distilled pot style, but doing Armagnac one shot through the column as well. Ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh. Yeah. It's, it's kind of exciting actually because we've used wine that was produced on the island. Mm -hmm. And 
have distilled that and it's all sitting in barrels. I think the first one's hopefully ready this year coming. Yeah, nice. Mm. So, so how long is – are you saying you're getting the wash um, over in Tassie? Yeah. And bring it up? So are you are you moving towards brewing on the island? That's the plan? <laughs> yeah. This is what I've been sort of working on today. Good, We're in the sort of finalising the um, manufacture and sort of fabrication of everything at the moment. Oh, it's a brew station. Mm. Full brew house. Yeah, we've gone. <laughs> What's that? that? Say, Todd. Can we get one of those? Yeah, yeah. Can we know. get one of those? <laughs> How many hectolitre are you look? Have you got there? To a twenty hectolitre working volume. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, we do. Yeah, so uh, Chris Condon has been our supplier so far at Launceston Distillery, and right. Chris just does an awesome job. He's been really instrumental in helping us get set up. We went to Launceston and distilled our first couple of batches of spirit there, and ever since he's been supplying us with 2,000 litres of wash every week. Yep. So, uh, but obviously, you know, with that boat and with those restrictions and just generally it's something we want to have control of and try to be able to do the whole process on island from growing the bloody stuff to... Mm. Brewing it and distilling it. So, yeah, we decided to, I mean, to did a lot of shopping around and was looking at sort of the more manual operations. Uh, but we've got a limited uh, staff pool here. There's not that many people on the island and we can't <laughs> rope in too many sort of uh, people. So, I've got a guy who's sort of training as a brewer and distiller at the moment. And the idea is that he's going to be able to run this whole process on his own from mm. brewing to distilling. So, yeah, we've, we've gone with. A little bit more expensive than we might have wanted to, but geez, it's going to pay off in the long run because one person's going to be able to manage the whole thing. Yeah, yeah wow. So we've just gone with a single vessel sort of mash lawsuit ton, uh, mm -hmm. and then yeah, two sort of 20 hectolitre fermenters. So we're going to start off with just replicating that 2,000 litres a week, but open up the opportunity to do another 2,000 if we decide we want to start cranking. Right. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Then you just need to make sure that you have enough mulch. Yes, and make sure that people actually want to buy it at the end as well. <laughs> uh, I reckon people might. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Think, I don't think there's any problem there. Yeah. What? What? Um, so, what's a what's a typical week for you, Tom? You, you you're obviously, um, as you said, you got to learn new skills, and uh, you're doing a bit of everything there. Um, so, what do you? Yeah, get up in the morning on a Monday. What mm. do you do? Um, well, we, it was just me for the first couple of years on my own. So right. getting up on a Monday and then start running around like a headless chook until Friday evening, pretty much, yeah. you know, doing the whole thing, just uh, distilling and doing all the logistics and all of the runs back and forth to the boat and all this sort of thing. So there was, there was a lot of work for the first couple of years. But in the last year, uh, I've gotten Nicole's uh, started working for us. She does all the logistics and stuff now. So she's handling yeah. all of the um communications and all the online orders and that sort of thing. Right. And I've got this young guy, Ronan, now who's been for about seven months. He's picking up production really quickly. So uh, under supervision, he's pretty much doing the distilling now at the moment. So what that's sort of left me to do is uh, work on the farm project that we're doing. So we've got our bond store out at the farm at Soyers Bay, uh, all our barrels out there. So we'll distill here, put it on the back of the ute, take it up and fill barrels out there. Right. And then we're building at the moment a storage shed right next to it. This is going to handle all the boring stuff, all the pallets and bottles and 
just got a forklift over on the truck last week. That was a pretty epic Christmas present, actually. <laughs> an all-terrain, four-wheel drive forklift called the Enforcer. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you're, the, you're the third distiller this week that's told me they've just got a, a, a forklift, yeah. right? And, and everyone reacts the same way. It's like it's a Christmas present. <laughs> oh, it's magic. Can you imagine, like, the amount of, like, distilling is great fun. I love it. But... All I was ever doing from Monday to Friday is transferring liquid from one container into another. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. It and out onto the back of the U, off into a barrel. Bloody hell, it was a lot of work. Todd, would you like to comment on that? <laughs> uh, we, we, we do a fair bit of that. Yeah. Uh, we, we do what you do. Yeah. yeah. We, we <laughs> do. Why touch something once when you can touch it multiple times? That's exactly right. Quality control, I guess. Life was meant to put obstacles Doing all that and um, to try to keep up with the peat supply as well. So yeah, uh, right. on, on Flinders, we're, we're here on the, on the West Coast. The peat bogs are all on the far east coast, and it's only 40 k's, but you've actually got to do a fair bit of four-wheel driving to get there. You sort of go past this really beautiful flat farmland, and then you bash through the sort of tea tree and scrub and everything on these little sort of duck shooting camps, and then you get to the lagoons that run pretty much the whole way up the east coast of the island right before the ocean, essentially. So yep. a big part about the job <laughs> is getting out there and uh, actually sort of getting into the peat bogs and digging it up and drying it. So trying to, trying to get this stuff here, little clods of dirt that is Flinders mm. Island coastal peat. Yeah, wow. So Man, a lot of that at the moment, trying to keep up with the supply of malt because, yeah, yep. like you said, keeping up with the grains is the hard yeah. part. And then smoking, yeah, yeah. get the overalls on and just start smoking pretty much every day, all day. Wow. So how, how big is the, the peat field there? How much do you reckon's in it? Uh, oh, hard to say, really. I haven't even touched the surface, really. Yeah, right. uh, so there's, there's sort of private farmland that's there that's got these little peat bogs on it. Um, we're getting out there and just sort of – we don't take much. We don't need much, really. It's sort of, a, you know, about a – Containers worth will get you about a ton and a half of malt. Okay. Uh, so yeah, but it's hard to say really how much is out there. Enough for us, definitely. Yeah. So and but there's not a lot of room for uh, other competition there. So you should have it to yourself. I um, would like to have it to myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, no one gets too many ideas. <laughs> I, I got a question. So. Um, yeah, hey, it, no, there's a question from Crafty. It's a question oh, from Oliver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, the distillery is owned by a guy called Damien Newton Brown. He is a Melbourne based guy, but he's been coming to the island ever since he was a kid. His parents were coming here, so he'd be sort of grown up coming to Flinders. And as he got older, it actually got discovered about through the bushfires that were happening because Pete, mm. uh, if anyone doesn't know, super quickly, uh, when vegetation is breaking down, if it doesn't have access to oxygen, it doesn't break down properly and it forms peat under these anaerobic conditions where it's sort of halfway on its way to becoming coal and it forms these really hard clods that filter a lot of the water out. And so when the bushfires would come through the east coast, they would sort of burn through all the trees and they'd burn down inside the ground into the peat and it would just stay there. The fires would go out, but underneath the earth, you can't see it. It's still smoking and smouldering. Right. And so then one big hot windy day in summer would come up 
and then it would just blow the peat back up out of the ground again and cause all these bushfires. So that is how Damien discovered that we had peat on Flinders in the first place, is that peat was causing these bushfires. So he went out and sort of scoured the island and found some that was too dry, some that was too wet, and then found the Goldilocks zone where we just found the peat that would actually be able to sort of pull up and dry out and then actually catch fire when you lit it. Yeah, wow. wow. <laughs> There's a lot of wows tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, question. So great product, great brand, uh, great story. Uh, as Ollie said, very cool story. How how have you got your name out there? Uh, how, how have you got the brand Ferno out there? Pretty, yeah, pretty quietly so far, really. Uh, the big problem is uh, behind me on the shelf, I've got three bottles of whiskey to sell for Christmas. <laughs> so, you know, that, we're sort of pretty restricted by what we can do in that regard. That's yeah. changing next year. There's a lot more. There's maybe a couple of thousand bottles coming off next year, which is really good. And then, right. you know, as we go next year, a few more and a few more. Yeah. But because I've really got nothing to sell, I haven't really been going and chasing much in terms of marketing. We do the, you know, we've got an online store. We do the social media thing. And then we go to the shows because I, I really, you know, get a bit lonely here. I like to participate in the <laughs> Any excuse to get off the island. And it's something I really miss about working on the main, in mainland Tassie and in Melbourne is the camaraderie and the community about it all. Because mm, yeah. a lot of people come over and they pop in and visit and occasionally we get a whiskey nerd who comes in and spends a couple of hours in the distillery tasting and, and all that sort of thing. But we don't actually often get the chance to go off and, you know, get amongst it all. So going to Melbourne for the whiskey show in March was awesome and going down to Tassie for Taz Whiskey Week, we always get amongst that and try to do a lot of events. And just through that, trying to grow it a bit organically, you know, the people who really want the stuff rather than just trying to throw it in everyone's faces because yeah. there isn't that much of it out there that it's sort yeah. of important for us to just try and sort of get in there. But if, if a venue calls us up and says, we're really interested in what you're doing, we want to have your product on the bar or at the bottle shop, we'll definitely supply them. Yeah. Um, but everything's sold out before the next batch is ready at this point. So. Yeah. It's, it can just tick along like that for the next couple of months until it doesn't. Yeah. Well, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah for sure. It presents its challenges, it though, does. doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. Yeah, we can <laughs> we can relate. It definitely presents its challenges. How many um, thousand litres of um, new make you, you're putting down? Uh, well, in 2022, how much do you think you've, you've put down? Uh, five and a half thousand litres, I reckon, this year. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sound about right. And what do you reckon you'll do next year? Uh, we'll probably continue on the same, yeah. I reckon. Uh, no, no, actually, no, a bit, a bit more like 9,000 litres. Oh, okay. Sort right. of doing, he's, he's, trying to do, he's big. That's yeah. <laughs> no, 200 litres a week, around yeah. about 48 weeks out of the year. That's what we're trying yeah. to stick to. Yeah. yeah. And with more of you doing it, that should be a bit more achievable. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, so all of that is still obviously too young. So we started out with 20 litres just for, you know, a little bit of whiskey in the early days. And we've just got our last couple of batches of 20-litre casks just finishing. Yeah, I'm actually, I really enjoy 20-litre barrels. There's obviously some problems with them. There's so much oak and such little liquid that mm. you get so much flavour before you necessarily get the opportunity for that spirit to get balanced and texture. Yeah, but uh, I've sort of found that if you 
give them a bit of love out of they come out of the cask, you can get them to a point where they're really beautifully balanced. So I don't let them generally sit any longer than two and a half years out of 20 litre casks because anything beyond that I've found gets astringent and sort of tastes like black tea, really sort of pulls your palate and apart. what sort of love are you giving them? Well, <laughs> out of the barrel, lots of air, lots of breathing, bashing them around, uh, you know, stirring them every day for about two weeks when leaving them in a stainless vat with an open top, just mesh to keep the flies out, just yep. to let that breathe and evaporate some of those more volatile organic compounds that don't have the chance to do it in that shorter time frame. Yeah. And then really slow dilutions, just incrementally a few litres at a time to sort of bring it down to where I want it to be and still stirring it and aerating it in that time. And then I found by that point, sitting it in non-chill filtering, just letting it flock, yeah. after that I'm pretty happy with what's coming out the other end. Man, you're, it's, the similarities between Craftworks and what you're doing is, is, is quite, quite phenomenal, actually. We're, we're doing a similar process. Yeah, 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 yeah including put, putting a screen on to keep the flies out. You know, yes. Yeah. That's essential. Um, but they add flavour and texture. So honeybees and maggots. We we um my, our experience. Todd and I have experience with um, the twenties. Uh, we mm. started with a few twenties, not a lot, but we find them better as almost like a salt and pepper. Mm. Uh, it, when you're vatting with other other barrels, just a small mm. amount out of a twenty liter just sort of adds that salt and pepper finish. Yeah. Okay. Know, the season but um mm. yeah yeah we, we're, we're learning we're, we're mm. all, all learning in this hey fees on fiona she can't reply i know i haven't done any single casks yet I, I don't like doing single casks with 20 litre barrels i feel like they perform a lot better when they're together yeah uh, so i've generally been blending batches as they come off five or ten casks at a time yeah, uh, and then uh, we're now getting to the point where I've just decanted the first of our hundred liter casks. So right. we're starting to get to that point. Most of the stuff that we're laying down is in hundred liters. Yep. So to get us through that next five to eight years, mm. at the same time, we're sort of trying to balance it out. I've got two hundreds and three hundreds that are going down at the moment. Uh, so yes, yeah, I to get there. So and talk about wood. So so what's your mm. what's your wood profile? What what are you doing there? Uh, I'm just sort of going with what I like the best and then chucking down some stuff that I haven't tried as experimental things whenever they come available, really. So uh, I like old oak as much as I can get it. It's from what I've tasted, it's what I enjoy the most. I have actually tasted some really good virgin oak from Spring Bay uh, a while ago. Um, yeah. but, but I do prefer older oak flavour in wine and in whiskey as well. So yeah. trying to go for... Uh, bourbon mostly for peace and stuff because yeah. again that, that reference to Isla you know we're sort of really trying to you know pay homage to that style and, and a lot of that has been going down in bourbon and uh, with our peated releases Smoky Wedding and our Flinders peated most of that's going to go into bourbon and then some into fortified if we can get old sherry or old port yeah uh, and then with our unpeated expressions we're just going to keep that doing whatever really we've got uh, unpeated down in Musket and bourbon and topaque and botrytis and Chardonnay and Pinot and pretty much everything because unpeated is not really what we're focusing on. So we're just going to keep that different every time. Yeah. With peat stuff, bourbon and fortified. Yeah. So we've been getting supply from Taz Cast Company and uh, Transwood 
yeah. uh, barrel, barrel brokers just started sending us some stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, nice. Whoever's got something interesting, really. Yeah. And what are your uh, barrel repair skills like? <laughs> uh, uh, amateur. <laughs> Intermediate, <laughs> maybe, at best. <laughs> no, it's something that I've, I'm actually uh, wanting to do a bit more here because obviously, well, it actually happened just, just the other day. For the first time ever in our bond store, we've got this uh, 10 by 20 metre shed with our bond store. Half of the shed is just an open slab, uh, so just open earth, sort of dummy right. style, trying to allow a bit of humidity into that room to try and capture the best of that sort of maritime climate that we've got here, really high humidity on Flinders. Mm. So trying to get less loss and sort of nice, softer, slower maturation. Yeah. Um, but I was pulling out our barrels because I was making a second row for the first time ever. This is a monumental time for me. There's a lot of barrels. So putting up some timber racking and starting actually to go the next level up, starting to feel like a real bond store. And uh, as I was pulling a few barrels out, I found one, uh, this beautiful, proper Spanish Oloroso cask that had a split stave. And it was about halfway down. So I lost 70 litres of whiskey out of this beautiful cask. It was just heartbreaking. So anyway, I emptied it out. And uh, there was a, a, um, I probably shouldn't name the the cooperage just in case, but uh, what I have to do with that barrel is put it on the boat and the boat has to ship it over to Tassie. And then I have to get it from north of Tassie down to somewhere else in Tassie to get fixed. And then yeah. they've got it back. So by the time I get it back, it's costing me hundreds of dollars. So what I need to do is just to be able to whip that stave out and just have a bunch of spares on hand that I can slot right in there and fix it back up mm. myself. Um, oh. But I don't have those skills yet. I need a bit of tutelage in that. I've heard that, yeah. um, I've heard that uh, Dave Schmider's son, Laurie, might be doing a bit of that sort of stuff going around and doing a bit of sort of hands-on, hand-coopering training with people. So I'm, I'm pretty keen to get him over here for that. Yeah. No. The, uh, I, I had um, uh, two 225, three? No, two 225s, two uh, special ones. Uh, they came from uh, YN Oak, so Andrew Young, Youngie. Um, oh, yeah. Beautiful barrels, beautiful barrels. Anyway, I got them delivered to a winery, and uh, it was there was five barrels. So I rock up with my ute and uh, with the winemaker, we're trying to jam them on my on my um, ute, get them all packed up, ratcheted up really tight. You know, it's all really good to go. Got an hour hour on the road from Mudgee back to the shed. Mm-hmm. And I cracked one of the fucking staves on one of the barrels. Just had to do that. Uh, it was too ratcheted up too tight and it was moving on the on the road. And uh, uh, and the only reason I knew was because there was some residual um, port in the cask mm-hmm. and um, it was just leaking. It was actually halfway up, it was leaking. I thought, what the hell? And so I've got this barrel, which is like, oh, man, if I could just replace this one stave. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've had a couple, um, you know, having a local cooperage uh, just to do repairs would be wonderful. It really would. Mm-hmm. And I know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, Dean Druce and Co. and and uh, Lee Lee Atwood uh, backwards and and Corowa, and they got Murray River Cooperage on their doorstep. Yeah. Um, and in South Australia, you you've got SA Cooperage. You know, you, you you've got Youngie, and then Tassie got a number of distilleries. But when you're away, when you're isolated from a, a cooperage, it definitely presents some challenges when you get a leaky barrel or or need a yeah. repair. Someone did just pop up beeswax 
as an option, which is actually, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. I'm into that. So I'll go go and get myself a tub, I reckon, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it, it works. I, I, I've used it. I've um, yeah. yeah, I've beeswax. Um, uh, Youngie swears by um, uh, brown brown paper. Brown paper, yeah. Brown paper. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. What, what about a bit of what about a bit of Sikaflex? <laughs> Work. Got a bit of that for the boat. I could just <laughs> yeah. that, that'll work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's um you've got logistical challenges, that's clear. Um, yeah. but what's from a distillery standpoint, what's some of the the biggest challenges you've you've got, you think? Oh, you know, people start staff is a tough one. Start, yeah, yeah. We're we're about to build this new spot, uh, which is going to re require a fair bit of work. Um, so yeah, getting people to come over and uh, you know with a bit of experience, uh, yeah. but also sending stuff out. Actually, I reckon that's probably the hardest part. Is that it's quite. We've only really got Australia Post to send stuff with, unless right. it's going to go by sea freight, which is really really slow. So the cost of everything's pretty high. So that's something that we're going to try and work on. I don't want to charge people ridiculous amounts for shipping. Uh, you know, if, if they're, they're paying a couple of hundred bucks for a bottle of whiskey, you want them to, you know, not go off 25 bucks on shipping or something like that. So yeah. just trying to figure that part out. Uh, probably try up some sort of logistics partner, I reckon, where we can actually see freight a whole pallet of stuff and right. they can deal with the, the shipping order to make it a bit easier. Yeah. Um, I know it's a tough question. There's a lot of little things, but you sort of in a place like it's really not worthwhile for you to dwell on them because you end up just getting, you know, depressed. <laughs> you sort of, you know, there's a lot of little issues like the, you know, having the trades is a really hard one. Not being able to call someone like Cooper or the ski or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that, that little still down the back has got a, a bunch of little heating elements underneath, and uh, a couple of them blew up a little while ago. So. I was just sort of out of my ability to make gin for a couple of weeks. So I right. sort of had to pull it apart, find the element that was corroded and pull it out and then get a replacement on the way. But it was a couple of weeks before anything got here. So there's mm. always that lag of time. How did the frustrating to start off with, but yeah, the, you know, there's that phrase on island time. You mm. sort of get to put you, force yourself to get into that mindset because otherwise you're just going to be banging your head against the wall. Yeah, I'd imagine uh lag would be yeah. the best way to summarize it so how do the the winemakers and whatnot deal with it do you know with obviously they're having similar um challenges uh mm. in, the, in the shipping side of things um how do you think they're handling that have you got some insight there well the winemakers here are pretty casual really there's there's a couple of vineyards um one of them's called the butter factory boys and uh, they're actually uh a group of old alcoholic ukulele players that are masquerading as winemakers. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, most of the time just sort of sit around and banter and then occasionally get a few people to come in and prune the vines and pick some berries. But What was their name again? The Butter, the, the butter, the butter Factory Boys. The Butter Factory Boys. I've got a... We found them. I found their Facebook. I love yeah, the name. They're notorious. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like that the, um, the uh, I'm hoping this is their place, 
the first thing that comes up for butterfactory.com.au uh, is a restaurant. I'm not sure whether that's it. Uh, but yeah, the kid me- kids menu comes up. <laughs> We're yeah, not no, this one else. Art Center. I don't know. Do they have? Gonna have to find. Oh, uh, there's plenty of webisodes. I'll I'll link a website with the yeah. Butterfactory Boys ukulele makers. Oh, he's found it. <laughs> he's found on, it on um yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. They're a bunch of legends, and they actually make some really delicious Pinot and Shiraz and. Uh, more sort of red varietals. And then there's another one down south called Univale, which uh, actually has just been taken over by a couple of people who've come over from mainland Tassie from a, a vineyard called Springvale on the northeast coast. So they've right. just been going through uh, sort of taking care of like getting the vineyard up to scratch for the last couple of years. So as far as those logistical issues go, uh, not sure really how many challenges they've got sort of compared to us because there's not as much barrels going in wash going in, you know, empty containers going out. This really breaks my heart to say, but the the wash that we bring over in IBCs, big thousand litre containers, it costs a bit to get over here. And then I've got to empty it out into the still and then send back the empty containers to Tassie to get filled up. It costs right. the same amount to send a container full of air on the barge than it does to bring over a full container here. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just, That's so true. we're spending maybe four grand Ooh. alone. So, we're this is why we've got to get you dropped out for 40 a grand a year. Yeah, yeah. So, we're saying we're spending about 40 grand a year in freight alone Jeez. just for whiskey wow. production. Holy so, wow. this is why it's so important for us to get that brewery up and running. And, yeah. you know, so we can actually sort of start just doing it all here, close, close the loop off a bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, wow. And, and who have you had from the, the mainland as far as distillers visiting? Checking out. Oh, we had a good crew. Uh, we had a couple of kids from Lark the other day. Uh, it, Bill's actually got a, a real connection to the island. He, he came here on his honeymoon, I think, and has uh, got a real sort of passion for Flinders. It's yeah. one of these kind of places that it really gets under your skin. So if, if you visit, you generally, you, you always have that really strong connection to it. Right. Um, we had, yeah, uh, who else has been over? Oh, I'm, I'm drawing blanks at the moment. There's been a few. You've got yeah. people coming through. So yeah, yeah really. but people are coming through, which is just really good because, you know, in any distillery, you tend to get your blinkers on a little bit. That's why yeah. it's so important, in my opinion, to keep a, a well-stocked bar with a bunch of other whiskies in there so you can take the blinkers off every now and again and just sort of take yourself out of the palate of what you're making to make sure that what you're making is up to scratch, really. Uh, um, yeah. And it's so good to get someone in who has the experience to just have a taste of your new make and say, you know, yes or no, and what do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, we we um we gotta we gotta do a swapsie on new make. I'm I'm really curious to taste your peated and un- unpeated, and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll click you what we're up to as well with our our specialty malts and that. Yeah, definitely. Today's today's spirit run was super peaty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've just got a question that's popped up there about salinity and the spirit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That's been something, yeah, we've, we've definitely been chasing, especially where right, literally I'm, I'm 20 metres away from the ocean next to me and the next thing going that way is King Island, about 350 kilometres away. Hmm. And our, our rainwater tanks are right in front of me on the other side of the wall. So yeah. we, we use rainwater tanks for all dilution. Yep. So... 
they those tanks catch a hell of a lot of salty water and i try to not filter them any more than i need to it's it's a constantly rotating water supply so i don't have to treat it i just put it through sediment filtration so that we yeah. do get a nice little salty tank water flavor You're taking the chunky bits out yeah just taking the chunky bits out and the, and the dead roos and yeah. birds and stuff like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all flavor like you said yeah yeah, yeah like but it. definitely getting a bit of that saltiness in there uh where our barrels are maturing as well out on the farm again right on the west coast so they're sitting there for, for their whole maturation uh and yeah mostly though it's about the dilution and about the peat actually itself because it's salt marsh peat really different to what they're getting in mainland tasmania especially in the inland you know, central highlands it's much more like what's going on over in Scotland, sort of sphagnum moss and those sorts of things that are breaking down. Right. But our peat bogs are salt peat. So the vegetation that's breaking down in there is like little succulent swamp marshes, uh, tea tree, melaleuca, tussocks, and that sort of stuff that's breaking down. Mm. So the flavour it gives is, it almost reminds me of like a mini bushfire. It's that eucalypti, mentholy, really aromatic and a little bit briny yeah, as well. Oh wow! Mm. A bush bushfire—that's the taste of Australia, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. The the uh, I remember talking to um, uh, Jim McEwen at uh, Brook Laddie years ago. Um, mm. He was he believes that, that there's a lemony note, which is uh, which comes through in some of the Brook Laddies, and he, he puts it down to the to the the Dunnage storage and and the salt air and the, and mm. the, the, the salt and the yeah the, just the salt in some ways mm. reacts and, and cuts the flavor of lemon yeah right yeah i mean I'd, I'd i'd say that even in just the the one that i'm drinking at the moment um uh, just having our our soya's bay the latest release we've got to unpeated american oak ex bourbon uh it's the lightest one i've, I've diluted so far at 43 percent abv but Right. Yeah, definitely has that citrusy sort of zingy, zesty note for sure. Yeah, mm. yeah. And yeah, the, the um, you know, the Dunnage Warehouse thing. To, to be honest, it's a pain in the ass <laughs> to manage. Yeah. Much easier to just have a, a concrete slab that you can roll things off and on really nice and easily. Sort of <laughs> dug down a little bit with these railway beams that make up racking. Yeah, uh, but trying again to get that salinity in the air trying to make the most of that sort of high humidity and trying to bring a bit of that salt air into the shed uh, yeah to just get the most out of it so barometric pressure would be a big thing for you i, I would imagine you're getting big storm fronts coming through in that and uh, yeah. that that would be that would be really be putting pressure on your barrels and you'd be getting really good extraction out of the wood what's what is your your sort of temperature profile humidity profile seasonally uh, what what sort of how hot do you get how cold do you get and uh humidity levels uh i'm really shit at retaining that sort of information <laughs> and you know <laughs> average rainfalls and things like that it's been pushed out of my brain but all the other stuff we've been trying to figure out this oh, year is it fucking hot or is it just not so hot well you know i i would normally would feel like a bit of a dunce for wearing a beanie and a padded vest in summer but yeah, it is actually yeah. blowing southerly at the moment. It's about 15 degrees over here right now, which is fucking bullshit if I'm, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but uh, it's it, high humidity. Uh, look, it's around the 70, 80% range, I think. It's pretty high. 
Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm right in saying that. It's definitely warmer than Tasmania. And that's just sort of part of being right on the coast. You're flying in from Flinders, you can fly into Launceston, and you notice it immediately. It's this really Arctic chill that you get when you fly into Lonnie. Yeah. Uh, but, again, it's about the same as sort of Melbourne, Tassie weather. It doesn't get crazy cold. We don't get snow here because we're too close to the ocean. Yeah. And it doesn't get crazy hot. You know, it doesn't sort of push 30 very often in summer. Mm. So as far as the maturation goes... It actually, in the first about year and a half to two years, all the barrels were stored in this room, sort of butt down against the back wall there, and they were just right. stacked up, which was not a good thing. Uh, I didn't have anywhere else to put them, so it's what had to happen. But it wasn't a good thing because the sun just sort of beams in this way in the afternoon and it was just too hot in here for them. So definitely in those first handful of barrels that went down, there was a lot of vigorous activity that was going on. So I've had to be sort of pretty careful with some of those. And even I'm noticing that in the first few hundreds that I've laid down, they're coming up to three years now and they're starting to taste pretty ready. So I'm sort of noticing that versus the ones that we're laying down now in that bond store in a much cooler area outside of that direct sunlight with the dunnage floor. Yeah. It's sort of yet to be determined what the effect of maturing in that shed is going to be. Right. We've got have had heavy loss so far, sort of about 20% in small format barrels. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, small format, yeah. 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 yeah, haven't had huge fluctuation in ABV. Things have been sort of coming out around 65. Yeah. Uh, but, again, small format, so there's only a short amount of time there for that. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, we'll start to see really the effect of that shed in the next year. Okay. And you're going in like 64.5 or, or as far as your new make or are you? 63.4. 64. 63.4. 63.4. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no no real reason. I, I'm, you know, just sort of sticking to tradition there, I guess. Uh, yeah. A lot of the whiskies that I would like to drink, uh, sort of been, that's been the cask strength. Uh, so just sticking with that. I haven't messed around with it yet, really. There's, there's too many other variables before looking at that. Yeah. You know, that might happen in a few years, but I really want to establish in a controlled environment what our core range is going to be. Mm, and yeah. I've only really just gotten to that point now where I know what the sort of range of, of new make I want to be making. So maybe I'll play around with that, maybe not. Yeah, okay. Mm. Wow. So that, um, that core range sort of while, while I'm on it is three different styles of new make we're doing unpeated, uh, Flinders peated. So we started out messing around with the mash bill there, doing sort of 30%, 40%, 50% peated malt. But yep. then I just sort of scrapped that and said, go all or go home. So now yeah. with the Flinders peated expression, we only do 100% peated malt. Yeah. And then the smoky wedding is the third style. And this one's been a real bastard because people have been loving it, but I don't ha haven't had any this year and I don't have any until about November next year. But it's been really popular expressions. We're, we're doing 50-50 in the mash bill, half Flinders peated malt and half Scottish peated malt. Ooh. So bringing over, uh, it's been Bairds so far. The Bairds yeah. have just told me they're not going to supply Australia next year. I don't know if they said that to just me or to everyone, but the, as far as I know, they don't have any grain. There may be a few distillers uh, watching oh, tonight. The they're going, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be... Um, through the the roller decks there, trying to find a new supplier. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's a cool opportunity for us to branch out. There's uh, 
there's some more that we're getting from Simpsons. Uh, I've even started sort of getting some samples of, of New Zealand peated malt uh, sent over. I want to continue that style, but really the whole reason for that style being is it's just a nod back to the origin of where this all bloody came from and comparing that really classic, intense, iodine Scottish peat to ours far more earthy, aromatic, existing on the back palate a lot more. So yeah. sort of playing on how, how those two flavours combine in the whiskey. Yeah. Uh, but what I really want to do, and it's going to maybe take a little bit of time and maybe, you know, a, a little bit more clout than I've got right now, but I really want to get proper Isla peated malt. So I can do an Isla to Island release of that style. So mm. if anyone out there knows anyone from Diageo who's high high up enough that they can get me some Port Ellen mould, then let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, basically do uh, do a swap with a yeah, yeah, yeah. do something uh, with Kill Homan or something perhaps. Well, yeah, that that's definitely uh, that. I mean, that'd be amazing because you know you, you've seen how much. We're inspired by Brooklady and yeah. in the same way, but, but far more functionally inspired by Kilcoman, trying to do that paddock to bottle process here, here yeah. on Flinders. Yeah. We've got a question. Um, so your fame's a blend of Flinders and Bairds? Uh, uh, not faints. The, um, the malt that we're using for the mash bill <coughs> is 50-50 Flinders and Bairds for the smoky wedding style so far. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Now I've 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 noticed looking at your website and seeing the the core three bottles there. Yeah, I really like the little detail where it steps down the lane. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the family of I, yeah. Yeah, no, you get it. You're getting the subtleties. The sort of got in there, and and again, it's it's. Single malt, they are, you know, the, the unpeated expression is the yeah. highest up in that regard. And then we started to get into more smoky, earthy territory. And then, like you say, right down into the depths yeah. of something a bit more rustic and a bit more intense. No, it's a nice touch. Mm. Nice touch, yeah, I like yeah. it. <laughs> I very yeah, much so appreciate that one. Next, uh, we've got one more Sawyer's Bay uh, bourbon cask that is flocking at the moment to be bottled as soon as we've got some time to bottle it. Yeah, and then the next year I've got some. I tried out refill casks on the twenties. I just right. wanted to see. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of refills so far. I've had some good ones, but uh, especially not in twenty liter casks. Not a really common thing. So some of our first decanted twenty liter barrels, batch of spirit went back in there. Uh, but after two years, I sort of found that it wasn't really getting the depth of flavour that I wanted from it. So I pulled all the spirit out after a couple of years in a refill and I've put it into a 100-litre um, Pedro Jimenez cask for finishing. Right. Uh, so I haven't really done much finishing. It's not something I'm trying to do, but it just felt right for this particular batch. So uh, hopefully we'll have some Flinders Peated out of that Pedro Jimenez cask in Jan Feb. Yeah. And then we get to some more stronger Peter releases coming out around March. Mm. Man, do you sell your uh, your little hip flask, which looks fucking amazing, filled with liquid? Oh, only if you ask really nicely. 
I could probably fill one up with you, mate, if you want to, and kill two birds with one stone. Ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, that, is a, that is a beautiful. That is a fucking cool bottle. Yeah, they're, they're epic. Those things. They're uh, a bit of a luxury item, really. I, I'm really, you know, gotta you gotta have a flask. I love a flask, so I wanted yeah. to get some made with Ferno branding on them, but I didn't want to just get a you know stainless steel sort of hip yeah. flask thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I ended up just searching around for ages and I found this, it's, it's a real wanky thing. I found this ceramicist in America who makes these Mariner's flasks and I just contacted him and said, make us some with a Ferno label on them and send them over. So they're ridiculously <laughs> expensive, but uh, I just love them. They're really cool. Oh, they're beautiful. They're unique. Absolutely. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Really no, cool. going to be one of those. <laughs> um, so what, so we, we've actually got quite a good audience. Tonight, by the, by the looks of it, which actually means that it's the perfect time to do this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we have this little thing which is called. Um, and now it's time for throw the tot under, under the, under the bus. bus. We almost dropped out. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> bastards! He didn't see it coming. Now his brain is going. Fuck, 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 fuck. I'm, I'm, I'm meant to be asking a question. <laughs> so with this session, we throw Todd under the bus and we get him to ask. So what happened? Uh, everything uh, just froze from my end. I, 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 I just missed the last part. It's all frozen. Oh, okay. Well, I'll start again. <laughs> Do you throw Froze the again now. Hang on, we're going to start again. Hold on. Start again. And now... It's time for Throw the Todd under, under the Bus. I just worked out that's a delaying tactic. He's been thinking what that's been going on. I can keep watching right. that over and over again. That's excellent. Yeah, we love it. We pull it out every now and then. So, uh, yeah. So, Todd gets asked some questions from a distiller standpoint. Todd is a, a distiller in his own right. But he, he go. There's a lot of things we do in in our shed, which are let's just say they're very craft works, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the question is, is that right? Is that how we do? <laughs> so Todd, hit up Tom. What do you got, mate? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Well, see, like always, delay. No, there you go. He's delayed. Yep. <laughs> go. I have a delay. That's all right. We'll wait for you. Yeah. So like always, all the good, all the good questions have been asked already. But <laughs> he said that every time. I guess, and I know we've, we've, we've touched on a little bit, what's the single biggest um, challenge you face on the island, apart from finding um, tradies? Because we have similar problems in the shed, believe it or not. From a distilling standpoint, you're talking, or from a? I mean, I've got a, I've got a pretty good, really. I don't, I don't really. I don't. Have... I can't understand you. <laughs> I don't really have problems as such, really. Uh, I guess my, my mindset is really focused right now on this new building that we're trying to put together and trying to build a distillery and brewery on a rural property. That's a real hard thing to work with. So we're having to get like we're having to get power sourced to the property. So you know, building our own 
power poles and running our own high voltage wire out there and installing our own transformer out there. We're having to deal with water. Get this, I've got, because here in the distillery, we, we run on tank water, we run our condensers on a closed loop. So, yep. you know, one, one tank out there that's dedicated cold in the bottom out, that's hot out of the top, all good. And then another tank dedicated for just drinking and dilution. But if anything goes wrong, let's say it's in the middle of summer, gets really hot, the condensers start to get too hot, we're running two stills every day. So we need to switch to town water to cool everything down, the condensation. Yeah. Out of the farm, we don't have that luxury. So what we need to do is just rely solely on tanks. Uh, we could get a condenser in there, but it's sort of expensive and, and hard to run to do something like that over here. And to get a proper refrigerant technician is sort of hard over here as well. Yeah. So what we've got is 400,000 litres of rainwater tanks that we're installing out of the farm wow. just to source the brewery and the distillery. But since uh, a distillery that shall not be named had a, had a bit of a mishap in Tassie last year, yeah. They're also saying that we need to have 280,000 litres separately of water just for firefighting for the distillery alone. Oh, wow. And on top of that, we're up to our gills and consultants right now because wow. everything has to be now hazardous area classified in Tassie. So they're having to go around and do some really intense work on our electrical engineering and our hydraulic engineering to make sure that every power point that's within a certain range of the stills can't spark and all those sorts of things. So yeah, yeah, all of that stuff, uh, that, that's the challenge at the moment for me is trying to get a building built in a rural area. We did apply for the, the grant that was up for state growth just a little while ago and we didn't get it, which was a real gutting thing. Yeah, uh, We're going to go ahead anyway. It just means that the spreadsheet was looking really good in 2025 now it's not looking very good until 2030. So <laughs> it's one of those things, unfortunately. Yeah. That's uh, for those people who are on the podcast tonight who are not distillers. Um, yeah. Um, it's not all cream. We're not all making a lot of money because our costs are going through the roof. And mm. uh, yeah, you mentioned compliance and all those other things. It's like, holy hell, it's, 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 it's a new world now, isn't it? It's yeah, for sure. The, the thing, the, the beacon is that at the end of this whole process, I'm going to have a distillery that nobody is going to die in. <laughs> you know, no yeah. one possibly, and no matter how hard they try, no one's going to be able to die in the distillery. So I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, they'll find a way. They'll find <laughs> a way, yeah. <laughs> Just to prove you wrong. We, we, got, a, we got a really good question uh, from South Arm Distillery. What are your thoughts on the meaning and definition of single malt. Now, yeah. I'd like to clarify that. Is it single malt or single malt whiskey? Um, because there is products out there which are single malt, but they're not single malt whiskey. And it's uh, mm. ruffling a few feathers. Right. Well, I, I love all this shit. <laughs> I really sort of geek out about it around, you know, the, the evolution of the word uh, of the, the world as far as denomination of origin goes and all the rules and all these sorts of things. I really sort of, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Go, going right back to in Australia, what is legally whiskey? Yes. All that there is in the Australian standards is a grain spirit matured in a wooden barrel for a minimum of two years. That is above 37.5%. Yep, that's that's all we have. So it doesn't yep. matter the wood, doesn't matter the grain, doesn't matter the the percentage as long as it's above that spirit level of of sixty three. Sorry, sorry, um, thirty seven point five. Yep. 
But then what I what my philosophy on it is that we're replicating a really traditional style here. And so I'm sort of sticking to what the Scottish definition is here. And I might get myself in trouble. I don't actually know if I've done my research properly on this, but as far as that goes, taking that another step further is a grain spirit matured in a wooden barrel, they say three years, uh, copper pot stills, uh, minimum of 40% ABV yep. uh, in the spirit. Um, oak. Oak. I don't even know if they say oak, but they probably do. I think they... Actually, that's a good. Question. I thought they did specify oak, but um, yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I could be yeah, wrong. I mean, I'm of the opinion that you can have single malt gin and single malt vodka if you've made a single malt spirit and have diluted it or add a juniper to it. But for single malt whiskey, yeah, it's obviously got to have just that aging time. Yeah, and yeah, in in Australia, whatever kind of wood, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, no other additions, obviously. There's that. Uh, water, malt and yeast are the only ingredients in there. So uh, only flavour is the flavour from interaction with the barrel. And then we, when you get to the barrel, it gets a little bit curly too, doesn't it, where you've got people sloshing a bunch of cheap port or sherry in there and maybe leaving a touch too much in the barrel that maybe they should have. And so it's uh, giving a little bit of juicy fruitiness to it. Uh, I, I reckon that's cheating personally. <laughs> I'll tip out my barrels completely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but, but as you know, you'll, you'll drain a barrel completely, leave it for a period of time, and it'll just continue to come out of the wood. For sure. Uh, yeah. 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 So you, I, you know, you, you can get away with that. You're not going to leave a barrel sitting around all, for months and months on end to completely dehydrate. Yeah. Uh, no. So I don't mind a little bit of juice. It's, it's nice being um, getting barrels from barrel brokers because they're shipping a lot of their stuff with juice in. Yeah. So, um, you know, getting Pedro and Oloroso barrels with a little bit of that still in them, Yeah. which is cool because it keeps them hydrated nicely. Uh, but also when you empty them out, you've got a free 10 litres of bloody Pedro to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got about, uh, I don't know, 40 litres of mixed <laughs> just in different containers, which I can use to <laughs> yeah. put into barrel to rehydrate. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question. I haven't asked this one before. So a lot of a lot of distilleries are going the brew house way. Right? Mm. And a lot of distillers are taking a brewing uh, approach to making whiskey. Now, mm. to make a beer, you've got water chemistry, Right? Mm. You've got um, other things which are added. Um, so it's not necessarily just yeast, barley, and water. Right? Mm. They're still making single malt whiskey. In the true sense, they're making single malt whiskey. Right? And then you mm. get into the realms of antifoams and you know, uh, food-grade antifoams and, mm. and, and things like that. And you know, mm. Some people use soap. Some people don't use antifoam. We use antifoam. If we didn't use antifoam, we'd be fouling on our still because we charge our still right up because we're mm. trying to reduce the amount, amount of copper contact. But what's your take on that whole brewing side of it, where you basically give the, the you, you're getting a brewer to make it, right, and then you're distilling it, and they're mm. making the brewing mentality. Uh, well, en Enzymes. Someone's just commented on enzymes. Another good question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. Uh, as far as I'm aware, you know, Chris Condon and Launceston Boys being our wash supplier, the yeah. way they do it is pretty much as rustic as it can be done. You know, they're 
doing everything pretty manually. I don't think they do any sort of step infusion or anything like that. Uh, right. They just sort of mash in, strain it off, and away it goes. So uh, we haven't had heaps of contact with anything, uh, anybody, any any suppliers getting really deeply into that, uh, you know, trying to pull the most possible out of their brew. Yeah. Uh, everything that we've dealt with so far has been sort of pretty linear. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't had too much sort of interaction with people uh, sort of trying to break it apart that way. So, yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. I'm, I'm not against it, really. I mean, but, yeah, what what is the ingredient? Are enzymes an ingredient and is water yeah. treatment an ingredient and all those sorts of things? It's more, more of a philosophical uh, question, I guess. Well, this <laughs> is a hop beer. Oh, that's going to say. Then you get into the whole thing on yeah. hop beer. Now, we, we yeah. just released um, a whiskey. Um, it, it's it's called the KPD batch number six. Yeah. And within yeah. batch number six, we actually had um, a very, very small amount of beer that we uh, we got it from a brewery and distilled it and we had fuck all at, mm. at the end, right? And so it was just sitting around doing nothing. So we vatted it and put it into a barrel and we've released it as a whiskey, not a single malt, right. but it's whiskey. And we've told everyone, you know, it's it's it was matured in a beer cask and it's actually got a percentage of, of beer in it. Um, and Corova have just released, a, a, it's called the Hop Saviour, I think, from right. memory. And that's where they've distilled beer. And um, in conjunction with um, a brewery, uh, uh, Bridge, is it Bridge Road? Bridge Road. Bridge Ro I think. Or Boat Rocker. Boat Rocker's uh, no, done that a lot. But, yeah, Boat Rocker's done as well. But you've got two schools of thought here. You've got people that are going, mm. this is not whiskey. Or listen, mm. well, A, this is not single malt. And you're right. It's not single malt, right? But it's still whiskey. That's a completely different uh, product. Yeah, down in Tassie for Whiskey Week, just in August, I bought a bottle of uh, what they were calling hopped whiskey from um, uh, bloody Hobart Brewing Company. Yes, and it was it was delicious. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like that. all of it. So, I yeah, I, I've got nothing against it. But I mean, I've actually got sort of a good example of this. Now, this is this is a um, this is a gin thing, so not not whiskey necessarily, but talking yep. to the same thing. This is a, a little experimental product that we're actually going to release tomorrow uh, just to our mailing list. Uh, but this one, uh, the experimental label, uh, I'm calling it Gin Rouge. It's it's sort of uh, like a plum blackberry infused gin. Nice. Uh, but you can see the gin is in parentheses because during it, it started out as just our gin, but during the infusion, you know, the steeping of all the juices from those fruits brought the ABV down to 26.9%. Right. So it's not 37.5 anymore, so it's not a spirit anymore, so it's not gin. Yeah. So that's when you know, parentheses come in and, you know, slow gin gets away with this, I guess, because it's a really historical, really traditional product, but slow yeah. gin's not gin, it's a liqueur, really. So it's all about how uh, firmly you want to take the definition of things, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, I, just be, sorry, just before we yeah. uh, go on, let me just hit Control V there, and so that's releasing tomorrow. That's right on the newsletter. Yeah, and to, to I mean, I'm, I'm biased, obviously, but it tastes fucking great, really. <laughs> uh, I, I just like doing little things, especially around summertime. It's nice to have something. We've got a couple of gin festivals coming up, so I wanted to have another sort of gin to bring to that. 
Yeah. Uh, so I went around the corner to uh, John the Juggler. He's this... Uh, John the yeah. Juggler. That's John another one. He's, Does um, he work at the Butter Factory? <laughs> no, he works at the Condimental. He's uh, he's a bit of a mastermind of, of everything, sauces and breads, and he's a, he's a real, real sort of food experimental guy. He had a bunch of plums and berries sitting in the fridge, so I just stole those from him and chucked them in a bunch of gin. But the, the resulting thing is, is delicious. It sort of reminds me of an aperitif, really. It's sort of more like Campari or Aperol, where it's Ooh. aromatic and a little bit bitter, but it's yeah. got that fresh, fruity, juicy thing to it as well. Uh, we're not here to talk about gin, but anyway, just a little plug for no, that. No, 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 we're, we're here to talk about anything, mate. If you distill it, we talk about it. Yeah, that's why right it's called Aussie Craft Distiller Shooting the Shit, and we, we talk yeah. about anything. It's, yeah. um, but I think we're getting to the point where – what time have you got? How long have we been on? Uh, an hour uh, 24. 24. An hour 24. So we, we tend to wrap up between an hour and an hour and a half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, now, there are a couple more questions. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's those. what I'm saying. Um, let's, let's hit the questions that we've got. Yeah. So uh, – uh, I'm going to eat whiskey. Yeah. What are you going mm. to uh, Okay. So, uh, circling back a little. There was a more uh, a tighter definition of, yeah. um, of what is with fermented, distilled, and aged at a single location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice, <laughs> but it's not always the reality for us. In you know, Tassie, we oh, don't all have heaps. We don't all have heaps of money and heaps of space and uh, those sorts of things. So I think it's beautiful the way that the Tasmanian and the, you know the, the Australian scene has grown with the ability to take brews from other people uh, and sort of apply your your sort of stamp on it, whether that be in, in the cups you're making or what you're doing to that malt or what you're doing in ageing or post-ageing. Mm. Uh, yeah, it'd be really nice to, to have it fermented, um, you know, matured and distilled all, everything on the one side. I mean, that, that's what we're, we're working towards, so I'm for it. Mm. Yeah, no. What other uh, questions we got? Uh, okay, we've got from Nathan. Uh, do you know what sort of temperature they're putting the wash into the IBC at? Yeah, this one was a tricky one, and I was a little bit worried that the, the IBC wasn't gonna uh, wasn't going to transport okay because it's going onto a barge. It's not covered or anything. It's just sitting out on the deck on the barge, and then the barge takes nine hours to get from Tassie to Flinders Island, mm. and then it generally takes nine an hour hours. or two before I can actually get it picked up and, and brought here so yeah. of and you know every, every now and again the bass strait she's wild wild sea so there'll be a lot of times where the boat is trying to get in and just can't because the waves are too intense so i've had i've had times where the wash hasn't gotten to me for a week after you know that it was supposed to and in those instances i have been quarantining those spirit runs just in case, you know, just yeah. making sure. And so putting them into generally a single cask, usually I'll vat a batch. So I'll get 100 litres, put that into an IBC and keep adding to it until I've got 1,000 and then I'll barrel it out. Right. Uh, but for those ones that are, have sort of extended uh, transit times, I've been keeping them separate, but haven't found any negative flavours so far from sort yeah. of extra oxidization or heat mm. or anything like that. Do I know what temperature they're putting the wash in at? I don't exactly. Uh I don't exactly know. I'll find out for you. <laughs> that could be uh, an interesting release, actually. If you store up all the ones that have been on the boat for a long time, <laughs> yeah. just watching around a bit, then you've just got your 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 actual maritime release. 
Yeah, 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 I guess so, yeah. And then I'll have to put the barrels back on the boat again and do the journey the other way. Is there an opportunity to strap a barrel? That's what I was going to say. Ah. Just backwards and forwards for it. Yeah, strap a barrel to the barge. Yeah. Leave, leave one on the mainland. Leave no, leave, leave one in Tasmania, leave one in Flinders, and have one, fill them all at the same time, just go backwards and forwards for a year, and then compare all three. Why not? I don't know. It's been done before. I remember Patrick McGuire had the barrel of Sullivan's that he strapped to the back of the yacht and took on the Sydney yeah. to Hobart one year. So it's been yeah. done. Why not? Yeah, we definitely, the, the, the boss is a bit of a, an intrepid sailor himself. He's got a, a 32 foot Chevy, got this beautiful sort of inboard motor boat that he's taken from Melbourne to Flinders back and forth a whole bunch of times. So, yeah, we should definitely chuck yeah. a barrel on there and see what happens to it. Yeah, that is, that is a missed opportunity if you don't. Yeah, that's taking the splash barrel to another level, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't tell him. Just just hide it on the boat. And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah otherwise, we have a, um, otherwise we have the Nelson's blood situation going on, where he might just drill a hole in the side of it and siphon it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It may not last the entire trip. <laughs> what um what percentages you wash the ABV on your wash that you're going with? Trying to keep it around seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, relatively low, really. Uh, having trouble with that with the peated malt, uh, the, this is one of those struggles with the post-malt peating and, and working on this um, uh, working on this peating method to try and get, you know, best flavour and get that grain properly dry, otherwise it doesn't mill properly. So, yeah, yeah we've been having some struggles with that with the peated stuff, but still getting around sort of six to seven pretty easily. And, yeah. and definitely, Richard, I'm going to quote you on that one, mate. <laughs> wooden vessel exactly it isn't a wooden vessel yeah any more questions oh, yeah uh, uh there was an extra comment uh that you wouldn't want any leftover co2 in that ibc yeah no, that, that would go pop <laughs> yeah you know i was again like you're talking about anti-foaming uh you know things like that uh, i honestly thought that we were going to have to get custom-made IBCs that had cooler jackets or, uh, you know, I was, I was really worried. I've, I've seen some IBCs pop before and I was really worried mm. that was going to happen on the boat and we were going to lose <laughs> about half of it or at least that the Wharfies were going to tell us that we lost half of it. <laughs> <laughs> it just hasn't happened. And, yeah, it's, it's great. We had, we had real stability in the wash that's been coming over. It's been really good. Mm. <laughs> and I'm sure that little bit of sea air... For nine hours, I'm sure it does yeah. actually have an effect on the on the final yeah. product. Definitely, yeah, and especially on those pieces releases when the wharfies are leaning on it, having a, having a dart, waiting oh. for the boat to come yeah, in. Yeah, you know, it's all just sleeping in there. <laughs> well, I got I got to say that um, Flinders Island is is on my bucket list. I, I want to go to Flinders Island. I want to come and yeah. spend some time with you, Tom. Yeah. It's an, it's an epic place to visit. It really is. You, you really get here and, like, the, you know, it's down to the little things. There, there's no parking meters, you know. There's no there's, – there's two cops. What? There's one for the north and one for the south. And, you know, yeah. you just don't – you never see them. So there's just there's this no real sort of sense of, of freedom and, and sort of what comes with that as well is a, a little bit of a scary thing. It's like, you know, if, if you get lost out in the bush, you're sort of on your own. But that just, just heightens the experience of life here. It's definitely worthwhile. I recommend you it. Just, don't you mm. just don't you just choose a direction and and keep walking in that direction? Eventually, you'll either hit ocean or the other end of the island. Uh, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, but you got to watch out for all the campers as well. There's been some times where I've been sort of bashing through the bush, and then all of a sudden, 
you hear the deliverance banjo going <laughs> and you pull up on someone's you know caravan dumped out in the middle of the bush and there's a dog chewing on a roo skeleton and you're thinking jesus what have i gotten myself into and then you know but, but now it didn't it for the first six months i felt like that i was kind of scared to go down someone's driveway but now i know everyone so it's sweet, you know, you just say, oh, yeah, this is that person, it's that person. They all know me. I make the whiskey, so they definitely know me. <laughs> so, <it's easy. laughs> so you're the most popular bloke on the island, I, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, I, I go by the very inventive name here, Tom the Distiller. That's how I'm referring to <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you my funny Isla story. So I went to, I've been to Isla twice. <laughs> and in 2009, I think it was, I was there. And I was there for the annual whiskey festival, which I always pronounce wrong. The Fashay, Fashay, whatever the, whatever the mm. thing is. Anyway, so, yeah, three, four days, just solid, right? And it was a shillelagh, shillelagh mm. which was just a knees up sort of thing in a, in a country village. And I'm there and it's late at night and, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty pissed as everyone else is. And I've got to get to the other side of the island, right? And so we got talking to this guy and he was uh, sparky. And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm heading back that way. No problem. Yeah, no, uh, jump in the back of my van. So I was like, yeah, cool. So it's a work van, right? So, <laughs> so I jump in the back of the van, slams the door, pitch black, no windows, right? Yeah. And, I'm, uh, and I'm there and I'm thinking. Was it white? Well, did he give you, did he give you um, sweeties? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was, yeah, yeah. It was like, I don't know him, right? I, I'm on a place. I don't know anybody. Uh, I'm a long way from where I'm staying. So anyway, we're in the van and I'm in the back and I'm bouncing around with all the tools and I'm sobering up real, real quickly. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's in, my, in my head, I'm trying to calculate, well, fuck, I'm sure it's only about 40 minutes away. Right. And I can't see anything. Right. And I'm, and I think it's fairly direct, but we seem to be taking a lot of turns. Right? <laughs> so you can put your keys between your fingers just in case. So again, was that? So put your keys between your fingers just in case. I don't know fucking anything, right? So anyway, the van pulls up, right? It turns the engine off, right? And then I hear footsteps. Right? And I'm fucked. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm fucked, right? So I'm sober. So I'm at the, I'm at the door. <laughs> and I've got clenched fists, right? And I'm ready just to go wham and just run. <laughs> no conversation, just wham and run, right? And then he opens the door. And as he opens the door, and I'm ready to hit the fucker, right? I see the pub where I'm staying. So it's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're all good on Isla. <laughs> all good, yeah. Because he was drunk too. Uh, yeah. Well, yes, yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. You're right. Unfortunately, yeah. So yeah. So uh, I haven't been to Isla since 2014, I think, and I'm busting to get back. But I think I'll get to mm. Flinders Island before I get to to Isla. Um, we've, we've got a bit of a road trip that we have to do. We do, do have to get to Youngie. He's he keeps on messaging me saying, "When are you coming?" Yep, yep. I think he's almost given up on us. No, no, no. I was talking to him this week. We we yeah. we got to do it. But we we're, we're coming down to see you, Tom. But we'll yeah. see you in um, March in Melbourne. Yep. You are going to the? Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do it again. Sort of. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll be in Melbourne for, for January. Uh, sorry, Melbourne for the Gin Festival at the start of March or mid March, and then right. Australian Whiskey Shows the week after that. So yeah, we're in for it. Yeah. Will right, you right. be coming to Sydney? 
Ah, I want to. Jeez, I want to. Uh, Yes, is the short answer. We've only really got like a couple of people up there. Uh, One little sort of nutty wine bar in Manly called Winona, who's got our booze on the shelf there, who's been supporting us for a long time. And the old Barrel House guys uh, up there as well. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's about it up in Sydney. So I've got to go and do some, uh, hit the pavement, really, and get some whiskey out in front of people's faces. Well, hit us up when you're here. When you've got more than three bottles to sell. (laughs) (laughs) It's easier for the carry-on that way, but (laughs) 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 might help, yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, that was a bombshell. On that bombshell, absolutely. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us this evening. It was great, and I'm I'm so impressed by Starlink that you've yeah. been. Yeah, yeah you've been so great. much better connection than than Todd and I supply his internet. I, I, I need, I need to change my IT provider because it's crap. Yeah, maybe. Whatever. <laughs> Starlink. Off you go. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah my, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good. It was wonderful. Good to see you. Uh, uh, so, again, good to meet you, Luke. Yeah, good shooting the shit with you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Now I'm going to flash up. So there's the newsletter link. Get onto the newsletter, which is called the Island Dispatch. That's it. Uh, so then you're alerted to the releases, one of which is coming out tomorrow. Yeah, that's it. We're, we're you know, I'm, I'm not motivated enough to spam people on newsletters. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't be bothered writing that many emails. So I, I only re- really ever post things out when we've got stuff to sell uh, and try to give everyone on the newsletter first dibs, uh, you know, before things go out to the public. So it's definitely worth being on there. Very good. I've, I've subscribed, so I look forward to that email. Uh, and, of course, there's the website. Jump on. It is a beautiful website. Um, I, it's, yeah, I love it. <laughs> He's drooling. <laughs> Websites have been my bread and butter for 20 years, so yeah. when I see a nice one, I like them. Oh, that, that's bloody good to hear because we, we wanted to, uh, you know, Brooke Laddick's website again, like inspiration. That is one of yeah, the coolest things I've seen. And we really wanted to do that, but we sort of had to do it on a budget. <laughs> we can't really afford a lot of high tech support, but yeah, that's, uh, I'm pretty that, happy. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but there, are, um, there are only two bottles, I think, of the Soyuz Bay single malt that are available online. If we've got a couple extra in the cellar door, so if there's anyone here who really wants one, just hit me up, uh, any of the channels, email hello at fernodistillery.com.au or through social media or whatever, and we'll make sure we sort you out. No, that's awesome. Excellent. Awesome. Well, let's um, – yeah, good. Thanks, Will. Good wrap-up. Yeah, I mean, this is the wrap-up for us for the, for the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're not going away. We're, we've got uh, yeah. February. We're doing a couple, and then um, – We've got others lined up. Can so. we mention some names that we've been talking to? Yeah, so um, uh, me, Jones, Jones and Smith. So Jones and Smith, um, we are definitely doing them in February. Jones and Smith Distillery in New South Wales, my local distillery. Um, uh, Amber Lane. Amber Lane. We're also doing Amber Lane. And we're also doing um, Imbue. Imbue Distillery. Uh, they've released a whiskey and they're, 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 they're gin warriors. Um and we're also, Dan Woolley is up for it, a highwayman. Um, we will absolutely do Mark Rainier and, and Stu Wycross. Mm. And um, the one that I'm really, really excited about is probably the most sought-after craft distiller in America is Todd Leopold, Leopold Brothers. Mm. Um, Three-chamber still, my God, what's going on there? Good, no, no. 
yeah. And I've been talking to Todd this week, and uh, we're absolutely doing it. So, and um, others as well. Um, yeah, lots, lots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we keep it going. This started as a pet project. Um, the idea is to just have shooting the shit conversations and um, so and see where it goes. Yeah. And people who are not in the industry and get to ask questions and uh, we have a bit of fun. Pat Heiss is a possibility. He is a possibility. Yeah. Mm. Mr. Yeastman. Mm, so, yeah. Do you want to do our sponsors, our final? Uh, yeah, we haven't done the sponsors for a little while. Yeah, we, we should do our, our, our right. sponsors because right. um, without them, would still be here. One, one I'd, I'd, still be all, yeah. <laughs> I'd still be paying for it all. Uh, here we are. Oh, some... sponsor. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, he's going to slip us the money later on. <laughs> You're getting sponsors? I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's our secret. You... <laughs> we take all the sweet, sweet advertising money. <laughs> Spend so, of course, we've got um, barrel brokers who you, you get some of your barrels from. Uh, we did do an episode with Robbie as well. Yep. I wasn't on that one, though. I, I think I was on well, but it was a good episode. Yep. And also uh, um, uh, John um, Carberry yep. from uh, Murray River Cooperage. Mm. Yeah, we did that as well. It was the same, yes. same episode. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Burnsy. Uh, burns, uh, water and fabrication, of course, for your stills and other equipment and other, other, yeah, does equipment? mash tons, does tanks, oh. does, does the whole yeah. shebang. I imagine a mash ton would be faster than a still. still, yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. But Burns is one of the most prolific still builders in Australia and making mm. some top notch cracking stills, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got Youngie there. Uh, Wayne Oak Cooperage in the Barossa. Yeah, barrels. I was talking to Youngie today. I've got some barrels on, on the go there. He's going to Fiji a bit. Yeah, he's doing a lot in Fiji. That's quite cool. We might get him on. We might do a bit of a reunion one next year. Yeah, that'll work. That'll, that'll work. work. I reckon we should do a reunion one at Ratu Distillery in um, Fiji. That sounds great. Yeah, that, actually, that's not such a bad idea. Yeah, that'll kind of oh. work. Uh, I, I still reckon we have a wood off, though. Yeah, we'll have a wood off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we have to like prepare and quiz them on their wood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be a wood, a wood comp. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A wood off. Bot bottle of whiskey is the prize. <laughs> Keep going. You can supply. <laughs> uh, CCL uh, for all your label needs. Crafty uses them. Yeah. Box turned up today on time my labels and i've got some labels coming next week i'm super excited some, some really super good looking ones yeah. yeah uh we've got saber glass yeah and you get your bottles from saber glass yeah it's stuck in melbourne right now got transportation issues that's uh that's a fun one but yeah saber glass are all that's good a story of australian postage really isn't it yeah no logistics logistics just yeah, yeah. uh transwood see we get young ian transwood on we have a wood off we have a wood off yeah yeah, Laurie and, and Dave making some cracking barrels, and I was sniffing some barrels the other day, some rum casks, which are maturing quite nicely. Mm. So It always confuses me when they're in Perth, but that's not where Perth is. No, no, it's really confusing. It, yeah, it hurts my little brain. I honestly thought they had two, two um, cooperages. Oh, Perth <laughs> and Tasmania. 
Yeah. I don't think they do because they came from Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Wild Walgan Natural Spring Water, which is where Crafty gets all that's his water all, from. That's all well. my spring water. That's the local guy, and the tanker turns up every couple of weeks and replenishes my research tank and my brew tank. And uh, had a delivery two days ago, two weeks ago. Hmm. So yeah, so, so that's it for that's, recirculation as well. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Problematic in summer, and that's why I've, I've stopped distilling. And I, I don't distill in January unless I do rum, but I'm not doing rum this year. Actually, cleaning the shed instead. So, oh joy! <laughs> Come on, Todd. We have a lot of work to do. What? I'm so excited. You've seen the size of the spiders we've got. Okay, yeah, they get the road to run from. They them. will fucking eat your shit. All right, wind this puppy yeah, up. Wind us up. Here we go. Thank you, Top of the Boys, for a great episode from Team at Old Kempton Distillery in Tassie. Awesome. Thanks, thank Adam. We'll have to um, get them on. We will. Again, thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and definitely, we want to get down to uh, to Flinders Island. Please, for us, like and subscribe. Uh, and if you feel the need, like. You know, if you if you if you have a couple of minutes spare, um, the uh, the whiskey awards yeah. nominations are open. Oh, they are too. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, the Australian whiskey awards. We've got a personality, well, runner-up personality of the year, bronze whiskey yeah. personality of the year, bronze, and Which silver is still a win. Silver for uh, distiller of the year. Yep. Um, but uh, Aussie craft distillers shooting the shit. Personality of the year. That's now, yeah, what, yeah. what I noticed was, and I'm going to have to have a word, uh, because the category for personality of the year is individual who is not a distiller. Yeah, but he doesn't say much. Yeah, so <laughs> then. <laughs> but you can list three. Oh, oh. Say much with you two banging on all night. <laughs> <laughs> if you were here, you'd be able to bang on too. Yeah, and if you don't shut up, we're going to throw you under the bus again. <laughs> and we'll throw you under the bus anyway. Um, so please feel free to vote for us, but definitely do vote for your favourite distillery, distiller, bar, all the things, and the actual awards night uh, that we went to oh, man. last year. This year? Oh, last this year. This year. Fuck, I don't remember what it was. It was an awesome yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, really. year was fantastic. Yes, yeah. it was really, really good. So uh, definitely yeah, get your yeah, votes in. The tickets are on sale now, so go. Mm. I'm not sure where you go. Is it AWAS? Anyway. Fuck, I should have. Look, look up the Whiskey Awards. Look up. Look up. Yeah. Go, go to AWAS and um, uh, book a ticket and get your votes in and vote for us. That'd be awesome. And I'll just finish up by saying another great New South Wales whiskey, Ed Otto and Julie Otto from uh, Otto Craft Distillery and uh, Send Bloody Sational. Yep. Don't mm. tell them I and told just, you. And just before we go, guys, let's try and get Ferno completely sold out by the end of the year. He's only got four <laughs> bottles. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be great for our marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only one episode and he's sold out. Yeah, <laughs> thank you again, Tom. It's been really great. Yeah, thanks, uh, thank Tom. you all. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays and happy and all the rest of them. 
And we will see you in the new year with some awesome people. Uh, Stay safe, drink a lot, and drink others. And drink Australian. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Keep it up. Shit, I need to pour again, but I will. All right. Cheers, all. Thank you. Bye. Cheers.